So over the uh, over this summer, I think probably since the end of, towards the end of May, uh, we've been taking a deep look into the life of Jesus and, and into the life that He calls us to live. And we discussed some pretty heavy topics, and we, and we discovered that you know Jesus truly is radical in His nature, really in every sense of that word. He pushed back against so much. He pushed back against the political institutions. He pushed back against the religious institutions. He certainly pushed back against hypocrisy. And he pushes his disciples, that's us, into living a completely selfish life, selfless lifestyle. A lifestyle where we reflect the generous love, the generous mercy, and the generous forgiveness of God. And y'all, I hope that by this point, remember there's been one word that I've been continuously emphasizing during this summer series, if you want to call it that. And that word is allegiance. Allegiance. If we're going to call ourselves Christians, if we're going to assert, if we're going to claim that our primary, our primary identity is that we are followers of Jesus Christ, and the fact of the matter is that we have no alternative, we have no option other than to commit our life allegiance 100% to Jesus Christ. And that allegiance, as we've talked about, trumps all other allegiances and all other commitments. It means that we take seriously His commands. It means that we take seriously His teachings. It means that we that the love of God and the love for our neighbor supersedes the love for self. And it means that we embrace what I've also been referring to as this Jesus-centered lifestyle, this Jesus-centered worldview. Everything, absolutely everything, begins and ends with Jesus First, and we could we could talk about that in so much so much more detail than we already have. And maybe if you guys keep me on for a few more years, we'll uh, we'll do that at some point. But I, I think I think we've done we've we've, we've dug deep enough uh, for this moment. Anyway, we took a break uh, kind of from that summer series last year or last week, and we talked about stewardship and tithing and giving. Uh, but I want to kind of return to the subject of the radical nature or the radical na- uh, radicalness of Jesus Christ, more specifically the radical nature or the radical radicalness of Christianity itself. And I want to conclude this, this thing that we've been exploring with what is probably the most radical aspect of our faith, the most radical aspect above, of our faith above all else. It is the one thing about our faith that makes Jesus who he says he is. It's the one thing in our faith that determines whether, Christ, whether or not Christianity is ultimate truth or whether it's just another philosophy or another set of ethics and morals. Take a look at this scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians 1 through 6. And if this sounds familiar, it, 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 it uh, very, well, very well may be. I think that we talked about this back in 2022. Not, not this particular subject that we're focusing on, but we did take a look at these scriptures. So uh, start in verse 1, 1 Corinthians 15. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth. Paul writes, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, which was received by you, and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the world, to the word that I preach to you. Otherwise, you've believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you 
as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve, and after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. It's the word of God for the people of God. Uh, yeah, leave that slide up there for a while, Alex, if you will. What is the one thing about our faith that Christianity stands or falls on? What is the one thing about our faith that either affirms or disproves that Jesus is who he says that he is? What is the one thing about our faith that proves that Christianity is more than just another world philosophy or another uh, set of ethical and moral principles? Resurrection. Resurrection, church, the radical idea that Jesus was literally raised from the dead is what Christianity either lives or dies on. Without the literal resurrection of Jesus, there is no salvation, there is no Christianity. Without the literal resurrection of Jesus, Jesus is just another great prophet at best. Our faith completely hinges on this one radical, unbelievable event. Yet we do believe it. It is the very foundation, it is the hallmark of our faith. And we have believed it for a very, very long time as the Apostle Paul writes about right here in 1 Corinthians. Take a look again at verses 4 through 6 that's up there. Verses 4 through 6. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of give you a, a, a condensed version of this. Verses 4 through 6 says this, He, he being Jesus, was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas after he was raised. He was literally raised in physical form. He appeared to this guy named Cephas, which if you don't know was Peter, who has about 30 different names in the Bible. And then he appeared to the 12 apostles. Now catch this last sentence. Take this in. Soak this last sentence in. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and the sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living. Now let me ask you this question. Why do you think that Paul would have included that little caveat there at the end of that last sentence? Why would, why would Paul have included that statement? Most of whom are still living. When he was referring to those 500 brothers and sisters who had witnessed the literal risen Jesus, why would he throw that in there? Because he was still alive. Because they were still alive. They could testify to what they saw. They had first-hand accounts of this risen, physical Jesus. Paul says, don't take my word for it, essentially. Go ask these other folks, and they will tell you. Put that in kind of modern terms. Let's say that something like that happened today, for, the, for example. Imagine there was somebody famous that you've known or known about within your lifetime uh, that maybe died sometime within the last 10, 20, 30 years. Now imagine that today, 10, 20, 30 years later, some rumors start circulating, right? That this person had been raised from the dead. Now those rumors would be absurd because there would be too many people still alive to refute that claim, right? That's essentially what we're looking at in these scriptures, only it's the other way around. 
there are so many people still alive. And keep in mind, folks, this is, a, this, is a, this, is, this, this is confined to a pretty small geographical area. So when he's talking about 500 folks, most of, most of whom are still alive, they're in a pretty tight little area. Um, so they know what they're talking about. And these people that they're talking about know each other. They're friends, or their friends are friends of friends. These, these, these are people who knew each other. So essentially, that's what you got here. You got so many people who witnessed this event, so many people who saw this guy, Jesus, after he was crucified, walking around in physical form, that that evidence was absolutely irrefutable, could not refute that claim that Christ had risen from the dead. Although, you know, a lot of times we get critiqued as Christians for, uh, for believing some weird stuff. We believe and uh, practicing some stuff that sometimes seems like they're at odds with our culture, uh, things that seem weird to them. We believe in the dignity of life. We believe in preserving life at every stage. We believe in caring for the marginalized, the destitute, the downtrodden, the meek, the helpless. And we believe that every single person that we meet is a person who is created in the very image of God. And for that purpose, and that, and that purpose alone by itself, that reason alone by itself, deserves every ounce of dignity and respect that we can possibly give them. Some of that stuff kind of flies in the face of culture, right? Of all the things, though, that we sometimes get criticized for, these things pale in comparison to the weirdest, the strangest thing on which we bet our very lives, on which I bet my very reputation and my livelihood. We believe that a man, a man named Jesus Christ, was literally raised from the dead. And because of this, we are not only forgiven of our sins, but we are made perfect in the eyes of God. Because of that resurrection, the power over sin, over our lives, has been defeated. We are able to live in that right, in that reconciled relationship with God. As we say every single Sunday morning, 90% of the time, we believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, who suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day, what happened? He was raised from the dead, absolutely. We believe in the resurrection of Christ 2,000 years later, not just because those early believers testified to it, not just because we read about it in the Scriptures, but because we, we are living resurrected lives right here and right now. We see our brothers and we see our sisters living resurrected lives. What do you mean by that, preacher? It means that while once, at one time or another, many of us were motivated by selfishness, by self-centeredness, by self-seeking, by pride, by envy, by jealousy, lust, greed, so many other forms of sin, we came face to face with a resurrected Jesus of the Gospels, and we have ourselves been resurrected to that newness of life that Paul talks about. How many people do you know like that? Are you one of those? I am. And while we are far, 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 far away from anything remotely resembling perfection, our motives, our intentions, our hearts have been reoriented away from seeking those things that I just mentioned. And they have been oriented towards sold-out love for God and for people and for His creation. Church, this is supernatural power. We believe in a supernatural God, and we believe in a supernatural, literally raised Jesus. And this should make us very, very excited. This is supernatural power, folks, and there is nothing, no one, no thing that is capable of reorienting, of re resurrecting the human heart 
other than a literally resurrected supernatural Savior. Amen. Y'all get excited. This excites me. I want to see my church on, on fire for God this morning. Y'all give God an amen. Have y'all been resurrected? Anybody else in here been resurrected besides myself? Come on now. Give me something. Pretend like we're some Pentecostals today. Shout. Sing. Absolutely. I want to run the aisles. Run the aisles. We serve a supernatural God, a Jesus Christ who is literally resurrected from the dead, and because of that, we get to experience resurrected lives in this lifetime, resurrected hearts, resurrected minds, resurrected relationships, people. That's something to celebrate every single day of our lives, every single day. That is supernatural power. That's not self-help. That's none of these things that we try to buy into. That is power that only comes from a risen Savior, nothing else, nowhere else. You can't get it anywhere else. Resurrection is the heart of everything that Christianity is. We are in the resurrection business, folks. That's what we're selling to people. Hope, love, joy, peace, resurrection, reorientation. That's what the gospel has to offer us. That's what the gospel provides to us. That's why it's called good news. That's why it's called the gospel, which literally translated is good news because it is good news for us. I want y'all to know that resurrected Jesus today, and I believe most of you do because most of you I know on a personal level. Have y'all had that encounter with him? Have y'all had that encounter with him? Has that encounter with him kind of phased off a little bit? If it has, I want you to rethink about this whole thing. Is your spiritual life slipping a little bit? That's all right. It happens. All of our spiritual lives slip. They, they kind of go like this. Ups and downs, ups and downs, ups and downs. But I want y'all to get excited this morning. I want y'all to be excited. This excites me. This never gets old. And I, pray, I told y'all before, I pray to God this never gets old to me. Uh, yeah, I've got, those, I've, got those, I've got those ups and downs myself, man. But so far, it still has not gotten old. And the gospel message excites me. The prospect of... The prospect of selling that and, and people buying that makes me happy and it, it energizes me. And I want you guys to, to experience what I experience. I want you guys to experience what I've seen other people experience. Real resurrection, real heart change, real emotional change, real relational change. That's what the gospel offers us, folks. Have you had that encounter with them? Have you had that encounter with them? If you've had that encounter, awesome. If not, I want to talk to you. I want, you I, want, I want to encourage you to pray something. I'm going to pray with you in a second. If your faith has slipped away, if you're not living a life that is 100% sold out allegiance to Jesus, I want you all to think about everything we've talked about since the end of May. Are you living that life that, that reflects everything in, everything in my heart, every word that comes out of my mouth? I want it to reflect the character and the nature of Jesus Christ. I want my heart to change. Is that happening in your life? Or are you stuck? If so, that's fine too. In the Baptist church, we used to call this rededication. We're rededicating our life to Christ. And I don't know what we call it in the Methodist church. But maybe some of us need to do that today. We talked, I think some of y'all did that several weeks ago. Awesome. Let's not lose the focus. Let's not lose the happiness, the energy behind that, folks. If you've never encountered Jesus, if you're struggling with, in your faith with Jesus, I want to invite you to say a prayer with me this morning. Everybody bow their heads. 
Y'all don't have to do this out loud if you don't want to. I don't, I don't expect you to. I don't expect, I don't expect anything out of you. But if, if you're sitting there this morning and you've never encountered the resurrected Christ and you, and, and you feel that nudge right now, you feel that, you feel that what may feel like an emotion in your heart, maybe your heart's pumping a little faster this morning, I'm pretty comfortable in telling you that ain't just you. That's the Holy Spirit working in your life. If you are a Christian and you feel like your life has slipped a little bit, you feel like your relationship with Christ is, a little, is, is, is wanting, is left wanting, yet you feel that pull to become more. You feel that pull to become more. That is God working in your heart. That is God working into your heart. If you fall into one of those categories, I want y'all, again, right where you are, don't say it out loud, but in your heart, talk to God. Say these words to God. Dear Lord, by no means do I fully comprehend who you are. But I want to commit today to give my life to you. Not just in my words, but in my actions. With all of my imperfections, Jesus, I accept your love and I accept your forgiveness. And I pray that you will help me to extend the same to others. I pledge my allegiance to Jesus Christ. And I commit myself to his gospel. Not my will, but your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen.